0: Welcome to the Life and Legacy of Joseph A. Otis podcast series, where colleagues and friends share memories and stories and discuss the many contributions this visionary leader has made to the advancement of pharmacy practice.
1: Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series. I'm Daniel Koba, the Editor-in-Chief of AJHP and the Vice President of Publishing at ASHP. I'll be your host today. This is the second of two podcasts dedicated to a remarkable individual and a visionary leader in pharmacy, Joseph A. Otis. Last time, we talked to ASHP CEO Paula Bramowitz about Dr. Otis's role as a mentor and friend, as well as his leadership at the helm of ASHP. Today, I'm joined by former ASHP Deputy Executive Vice President William A. Zellmer. Bill worked for ASHP in a range of roles, including editor-in-chief of AJHP, for almost 40 years. He had a front seat view of Dr. Otis's career achievements and his contributions to the profession of pharmacy. He also served as the guest editor for the recent AJHP Joseph A. Otis tribute issue. Welcome, Bill. It's good to see you today.
0: Hello, Dan. Great to be with you.
1: And I, I want to thank you again. The work that you did to lead the tribute issue for Dr. Otis was just incredible. We've received great feedback on it, and it really is a reflection of your leadership that it just paid such remarkable homage to, to Dr. Otis. So thank you again for doing that. It seems to me that the tribute issue can serve as a historical record that can be used to help future generations understand the history of health system pharmacy in the second part of the 20th century. Do you agree?
0: Well, Dan, uh, I want to thank you for inviting me to work on the special issue of the journal devoted to the memory of uh, Joseph Otis. Uh, That issue, of course, will be valued by many people who knew Dr. Otis or knew of him, and were inspired by his uh, dedication to the profession. But I hope this issue will also have value as a lesson in pharmacy history. The period of uh, 1960 through 1997, the years that Dr. Otis led ASHP, were some of the most momentous years in the history of pharmacy, in terms of transforming our field into a clinical patient care profession. So by studying and reflecting on the Otis story, we can gain insights into this transformation and learn lessons for the continued development of pharmacy.
1: You wrote as part of the the Tribute issue, you wrote one of the three editorials that was published. Uh, Yours was entitled The Otis Effect. And You describe in your editorial, first seeing Dr. Otis at the podium at the APHA meeting in Miami Beach in 1968. I guess, I believe you were probably a pharmacy student at the time. Is that right? You're right. It was
0: at uh, a national pharmacy convention in 1968. Uh, This was the APHA meeting in in Miami Beach. I was, I guess... um, One year out of pharmacy school at the time, I did not know Joseph Otis, and I knew very little about ASHP. So as I was casually observing uh, the House of Delegates meeting, I saw a man walk to the floor microphone to announce that uh, the ASHP Board of Directors had selected Dr. James Goddard, the FDA commissioner, for its award of honor. I perked up when I heard Dr. Goddard's name because I really admired the reforms he was pushing at the FDA. So I took a second look at the man at the microphone, Joseph Otis, not knowing at the time that he would play a large role in my life in the coming years. I ended up being hired for the ASHB staff in 1970 and had the privilege of working with Joe until he retired in 1997.
1: So when you first saw him get up to the microphone to talk about Dr. Goddard receiving this award from ASHP. What what were your impressions of of the man?
0: I wasn't really paying all that much attention to uh, what was going on. I saw a man get up. He seemed to be well-dressed, poised, dignified, but that was about it. And then when he got into his message about Dr. Goddard, I thought, wow, a national organization uh, commending this uh, uh, somewhat controversial uh, commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration—that's something. So then I began paying more attention to uh, the man and the organization. I guess. <laughs> okay.
1: And then, as as you said, you uh, at that time really couldn't have imagined the the effect that, that Dr. Otis would have on your career and and the the career that you would spend at At ASHP, but you did arrive at ASHP about two years later and interviewed with Dr. Otis as you were interviewing for a position with AJHP at that time. And what was that experience like interviewing with him in
0: 1970? Yeah, the staff was relatively small back then. I imagine there were 20 some people working for ASHP. I was interviewing for an assistant editor position, uh, on the journal, uh, so the the primary uh, host for me was uh, George Provo, who was the editor at the time, but I had a chance to uh, chat with Dr. Otis, and in that brief conversation, I mentioned to him that I had seen him at the Miami uh, 1968 APHA make, uh, meeting, making his Goddard announcement. Interestingly, he asked, well, well, how did I do making that announcement? And I was uh, sort of a shy individual, and uh, I, uh, I didn't really give him uh, an extensive answer. I, I sort of skirted the issue of how, um, you know, I was quite impressed by uh, his uh, delivery of that message on behalf of ASHP.
1: You know, it's really funny. I have a somewhat similar uh, experience where I, when I first uh, joined the ASHP staff and had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Otis for the first time, I mentioned to him that he actually spoke at the commencement where I received my a doctor of pharmacy degree at Duquesne in 1989. He was receiving one of his many honorary doctorates at that time. And I it mentioned to him and he spoke and he said the exact same thing to me. So how did I do? So <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was uh, uh, always very self-aware, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, So as a longtime colleague of Dr. Otis, you had a front seat. You were there to see you know, many of his significant contributions to the advancement of pharmacy practices. As you mentioned, when we first started to talk, from your perspective, Bill, what were some of the highlights? Well, Dan,
0: I'd like to start by uh, just uh, painting a picture a bit about the context of the times. The times um, When Joe Otis became the first uh, full-time chief executive officer of ASHP in 1960, Hospital pharmacy was a very small sector of the profession, and frankly, the state of hospital pharmacy practice uh, left a lot to be desired. The early volunteer leaders of ASHP, individuals such as Donald Frankie, uh, recognized that the advancement of hospital pharmacy required an effective organization for coalescing, and energizing the field, and that that would require a full time uh, executive to lead the organization. Early in the 1960s, ASHP adopted a small set of goals for advancing hospital pharmacy. These included, for example, uh, strengthening the scientific and professional aspects of the profession of practice in hospital pharmacy specifically, strengthening the management skills of hospital pharmacists. And building the hospital pharmacy workforce. So it became Joe Otis's job to operationalize these goals, and he did that very effectively. The chronology of ASHP achievements during the Otis years that's published in the tribute issue of the journal, I think, is a good record of how the organization he led helped advance pharmacy practice. So included in that chronology are milestones such as residency accreditation, which ASHP started, uh, various efforts to help make medication use in hospitals uh, safer. Uh, in the early years, that focused largely on the unit dose drug distribution system, and work in transforming the focus of pharmacy education. So from a, an historical perspective, I think it's instructive to reflect on the methods that ASHP used under Joe Otis's leadership to advance the profession. And in a way, these methods can be taken as prerequisites for success in continuing to move pharmacy forward. So I think these prerequisites include building consensus about a vision for the future of pharmacy establishing a short list of ambitious goals related to the chains needed to achieve the vision, developing and advocating minimum standards for pharmacy practice, and also, and very importantly, generating resources and tools to support the desired changes in pharmacy practice.
1: You know, it's it's interesting, Bill, because some of the one of the impressions that I have as is, is I looked at that uh, chronology that you referenced and as, as I've thought about Dr. Otis myself and even listening to you today, one of the rem- many remarkable attributes is that much of what he did is sustained today. And a number of those things are programmatic issues, residency training, for example, the ASHP mid-year clinical meeting. You mentioned minimum standards as another example. But the other thing that's interesting that sustained today still, two things that you mentioned, I think are more about culture. One is ambitious goals, an, an organization that establishes ambitious goals and consensus building. And again, there are numerous examples across ASHP's history where that's been essential to whatever the initiative was, if it was the Hilton Head Initiative or if it was the Practice Model Initiative. Can you talk more about how Dr. Otis's effect on culture how those, how those effects were sustained. Because to me, that is probably even more impressive than programs that sustain. But when, when someone's effect on a culture is sustained for long beyond their retirement, that's remarkable.
0: Yeah, I think those are good observations, uh, Dan. I think among the many, many factors uh, contributing to Joe Otis's success, three were particularly important. One was just the the principled approach he took to life. Another was his style and personality. And the third was his uh, strategic thinking. So first, anyone who worked with Joe or was well acquainted with him uh, felt his unwavering sense of right and wrong. Uh, This was probably instilled in him early in life by his parents And it most certainly was nurtured uh, throughout life by his deep religious faith. Now, as a person of principle, he engendered the admiration and respect of others, and that made people ready to follow the lead. I think that's uh, an important facet of the culture topic that you just raised. With respect to his style and personality, uh, he had an authentic interest in learning about the people he met in life. Uh, whether at work or in social settings, he tuned in to the passions, the joys, and the sorrows of those close to him. At work, he was accessible. Uh, He was clear about his expectations, and he was patient about minor lapses in performance, particularly with young people in whom he had faith. And then finally, with respect to strategic thinking, he recognized that a vital part of his role at ASHP was outreach, both internally within pharmacy and externally within the larger healthcare community and the pharmaceutical industry. He excelled at this. He helped change the 1950s image of hospital pharmacy from that of a minor backwater to the leading edge of the field. Another facet of his strategic thinking was his ability to recognize opportunities to create new programs, publications, and services that generated revenue. The margin from which was applied to activities that strengthened the profession. I think two prime examples of this in terms of revenue and generating margin were the American Hospital Formulary Service and the major clinical meeting
1: bill it's it's interesting to as i listen to you talk about and really in your response to that question it's it's an even deeper dive into the the Otis effect i think and it it really does support your comments at the beginning that there is so much to be learned by student pharmacists and residents in terms of again uh, a man who had such impact on where the profession went over the second half of the 20th century and the principled approach and the the things that he prioritized as as a leader so i would hope that students and residents will take full advantage of learning more about him and and this approach i really appreciate the comments you just made because i
0: felt for quite a while that something is missing in pharmacy education and in postgraduate pharmacy residency training, and that is um, history learning the history of how hospital pharmacy, health system pharmacy uh, evolved, developed, and uh, taking lessons from that, uh, doing a deep dive, I think, as you said, into uh, some of these factors, because there's so much from the past that uh, can guide us into the future. So one of my hopes would be in the coming years that pharmacy education and residency training uh, gives a little more attention to getting young people to focus and learn from the history of our profession.
1: And I I think that the chronology that you mentioned before that is key part of the Otis Tribute issue, it really is a nice starting point for the faculty member in the the school or college of pharmacy or in a residency program, really to spend time talking with students and residents about where the the profession, where practice in hospitals and health systems has been and where it's come mm-hmm. over, especially the, the last 60 to 70 years, mm-hmm. for sure. So Bill, we've talked a lot about the, and, and, and you've described the, the effects that Dr. Otis had domestically in the United States, and there's also in that chronology a beautiful backdrop of what was happening culturally in the and societally in the in the US and during that time but Dr. Otis's effect wasn't only on pharmacy in the United States, he really made numerous contributions to pharmacy internationally, including through his leadership of the International Pharmaceutical Federation. Can you talk about his role and his accomplishments on the international front? Joe Otis was a master of organizational
0: effectiveness. Now, I'm sure he cultivated and honed uh, this talent when he served on the staff of the American Hospital Association in the 1950s. Uh, When he came to ASHP, he applied this skill early on in governance of the organization with a goal of interjecting a higher level of democracy and member empowerment at ASHP. And it's interesting, as the roles of hospital and health system pharmacists became more diverse and differentiated, he pushed to find ways to satisfy the broadened array of special interests among ASHP members. In other words, he believed in the perfectibility of organizations, it was a continuous process for him. Now, when he was elected president of the International Pharmaceutical Federation in 1986, he saw again the need for improved organizational effectiveness. Uh, He led changes in that organization that reflected his experience at ASHP. Uh, His efforts at FIP resulted in full-time executive staffing, uh, dedicated headquarters building, and greater financial resources that FIP used to expand its role as the global voice of pharmacists, pharmacy educators, and pharmaceutical scientists. You know, Joe Otis's uh, international work also demonstrates his commitment to the long game in career and in life. Uh, for example, he began attending the annual conferences of FIP soon after he was hired by ASHP. He welcomed in this regard the tutelage of Donald Frankie who at the time was probably the most prominent American who regularly participated in FIP. Joe got involved with the FIP Hospital Pharmacy section, which he led for a number of years. Uh, He increased the number of Americans who attended FIP conferences. And over the years, the established leaders of FIP saw in Joe a steady, no-fuss, even-tempered, can-do person who got things done, and they became ready to select him as the first non-European president of that organization. I think this is just a great example of the long game in the life of Joseph Otis.
1: It's interesting, Bill, that that I think if you then take that long game view um, a bit further. It it really does play out, doesn't it, into work that followed, such as the development of the Basel Statements uh, that have advanced pharmacy globally over the last decade or so. And it's, to me, uh, spoke volumes that, that there were individuals who he established relationships internationally, who who submitted remembrances for the HHP tribute issue as well. That's That to me spoke volumes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Joe was a real uh, change agent when it came to the International Pharmaceutical Federation. I, I know from uh, hearsay that um, Earlier in uh, the history of that international group, it was largely a social function, people getting together once a year, uh, the Europeans who who knew each other well and uh, enjoyed their company with um, perhaps uh, far less attention on uh, professional development and things of that nature. And uh, I think Joe was uh, really quite uh, an effective instigator in changing the culture of that organization and recognizing a getting them to recognize a broader mission and role with respect to the place of pharmacists, pharmacy educators, pharmaceutical scientists in some of the major
1: worldwide public health issues. One of the clear themes that I in every one of your answers that I that for me there's a thread that goes through there it's it's people it's relationships it's uh people ranging from uh, the the person that he became because of his parents or his colleagues and other esteemed leaders in the field you you mentioned Frankie for example Another group that, of people that uh, were critical to him, I think that uh, they may be his exact words, the, the ASHP family. It's one of the issues that comes out in the tribute issue. In fact, family members of three long-term employees uh, contributed memories of Dr. Otis. You were right there in the thick of it, Bill. Where did that family culture come from?
0: Yeah, Dan, I really appreciate uh, your question. The family culture at ASHB certainly came from the style and personality of Joe Otis. His interest in other people, his natural empathy and compassion fed that culture. He enjoyed social events. For example, uh, he created opportunities to socialize with elected officers and other board members, getting to know them individually and personally and staying in touch with them even after they completed their term of office. From a staff perspective, at the annual ASHP summer picnic, family members of the entire staff were encouraged to attend and have fun. (laughs) And uh, Joe made it a point to interact with as many of them as he could. A year-end holiday party for staff was also part of the formula. Joe Otis enjoyed many successes in his life as a husband, a father, a grandfather, an association executive, a change agent in pharmacy, both domestically and internationally, a role model and mentor to countless individuals. These successes stemmed from his moral and ethical principles, his authentic interest in people, and his ability to think and act strategically. I and many others feel fortunate to have come under his influence. And the profession of pharmacy certainly was fortunate to have counted him among its most astute and effective leaders.
1: The family, as you read in the the tribute issue, if you read uh, his daughter, Marie Newman, his son, Joseph Otis. Victor Jones, the son of Walter Jones, a longtime ASHP staff member, every one of them talked about that family effect as well. They, they talked about spending time, spending their weekends as children <laughs> in the, the ASHP offices and that it everybody, everybody chipped in and, and did their part. And again, it says to me that there, it speaks to this inspirational man who was uh, able to get others to to give up their weekends and to to truly have ASHP and being part of the ASHP family as part of the fabric of the formative years of children for example it, it's just yeah. it's just remarkable
0: yeah you know um, picking up on that dan uh, he was a very relaxed person he always seemed to have a uh, um, abundant time to, uh, to spend with individuals, to converse with individuals, to have fun with individuals. I sometimes wondered how he got all his work done because he was so casual, uh, seemingly casual uh, in these uh, interpersonal relations. But uh, the reality was he was a very hard worker. He put in long hours and uh, he was a patient person and uh, greatly dedicated to his work at ASHP. But um, certainly, um, You know, when you interacted with him uh, face-to-face, it was always sort of a relaxed, casual conversation that you would have with him.
1: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank William Zelmer for joining us for a wonderful conversation about a giant in the profession of pharmacy, Dr. Joseph A. Otis. Join us next time at ASHP Official for another episode of The Life and Legacy of Joseph A. Otis, to hear more about Dr. Otis's influential contributions to the profession of pharmacy, and visit ajhp.org to read the Joseph A. Otis tribute issue published on August 15th. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your colleagues, family, friends, and via your social media of choice.
0: Thanks for joining us for the Life and Legacy of Joseph A. Otis podcast series and learning how the foundation he laid more than 60 years ago shaped who we are today. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes that explore important issues that impact the pharmacy profession.